0: The more the world changes, the more we find comfort in the things that never change. change. This is Rabbi Daniel Labin, On Demand, on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome to every single one of you. Welcome every happy warrior as I welcome each and every one of you to the Rabbi Daniel Lappin show where I, your rabbi, reveal how the world really works. Thank you for being part of the show and thank you. Wherever you are, for all you're doing in helping promote the show, Uh, you know my map with a a pin for listeners in every country. Well, I want to welcome each and every one of you, whether you're from Angola or Argentina or Australia or Bahamas or Botswana and Brazil. Uh, Welcome to all of you listening in Canada, in China, Croatia. Uh, I've got people listening in Denmark right now, Dominican Republic, Estonia, France, Germany and Ghana. Hungary, Iceland and India, great to know you're all listening. Great to know you're listening in Ireland and in Israel and in Italy and Jamaica and in Japan and Kenya and Lithuania and on it goes, but I don't want to bore you. That would be about the worst thing I could possibly do. So uh, we're not going to do that at all, but uh, we are going to focus on the five F's. The five fundamental F's of life. I speak about them regularly, and the reason I speak about them is because the more that things change, the more you need to depend on those things that never change. And whichever country you're listening in, whether you're listening in the countries, um, in one of the countries I mentioned, or Uh, In the many, many countries I didn't mention, um, each and every one of you is faced with changing circumstances and changing conditions. Sometimes they are economic changes. Sometimes they are military changes. Sometimes they are political changes. uh, Sometimes they are meteorological changes. But whatever it is, uh, there is change in your life. And the more that change takes place, the more we need to remain anchored to those things that never change. And the five things that never change are the five, you know, people, oh, well, death and taxes never change. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about things you can do something about. I'm talking about areas in which you can secure the ship of your life. I'm speaking about the anchor that links you firmly to solid ground and makes it possible for your ship to withstand hurricanes, typhoons, and monsoons, to withstand any kind of turbulence that swirls around the vessel of your life. And what are those things that never change? Uh, First of all, family whether we go back to the very dawn of time past the mists of history uh, every single person was born to a mother and a father every single person comes from parents different kinds of parents parents with different levels of commitment to their children but parents to be sure and people recognize that they have the capacity to reproduce and to bring into the world children of their own. These things have not changed ever and neither will they. And that includes the magic of male-female relationships. That's not going to change either. Are there aberrations? Sure, but I'm not going to speak about them. Finance. Finance. You might say, well, you know, we live today in a world of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, in a world of investment banks, in a, a world of digital transfers of cash. All of that is true, but this is merely the trimmings. This is merely the flavorings to the meal. The bottom line is that the world has always been reluctant to yield a living to human beings. And it has always been true that human beings who are connected to other human beings and are able to communicate with other human beings and are able to collaborate and cooperate with other human beings will be at a huge advantage in being able to eat. And the magic of that connection revolves around money. So we've got two different types of human connections. We've got family connections, and then we've got financial connections. And then thirdly, we have friendships. They're not family, and they may not be financial in nature. In other words, they may be people that you don't necessarily do business with. But these categories of relationships have always been a part of the human experience whether you were speaking about 2,000 years ago, or 1,000 years ago, or 4,000 years ago, family, friendship and finance has always been a part whether you are uh, um, part if you were an american indian if you were living in 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 a tribe in north america or you were living among the incas or you were part of a germanic tribe in europe or you were part of a uh, mongolian tribe in eastern europe or western china uh, yeah these things are always true. You always were concerned about family. You were always concerned about friendships. And you were always concerned about finance. And then finally, there is the question of faith. And, uh, and that is important because we are who we are much more as a function of our beliefs than the facts we know. Right people are accustomed to saying you know only facts matter and so on and facts are obviously very important but uh, facts are what they are faith however is something that you and i can do something about and in exactly the same way as having healthy muscles and a strong body and that's the fifth f fitness physical fitness yeah i know physical is spelled with a ph but um you know You'll understand if I write it, F-I-T-N-E-S-S, uh, or I write physical, F-I-F-Y-S-I-C-A-L, physical, it doesn't make any difference. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you have um, a strong body and you take care of it and you nurture it correctly and you uh, you grow it, um, then it is available for when you need that strength and you know, sometimes, uh, hopefully never in your life, uh, you need your strength for a life and death struggle. Uh, there, are, there are situations, I, I don't have to tell you stories, of people who depended for their lives on their physical abilities, their physical strength. So if you work on your physical strength, it's there for when you need it. And similarly, if you work on your faith, why it too will be there for when you need it and uh, you might say well you know I'm not much of a person of faith to which I respond and say if you accept a check from somebody in payment for your services instead of a bushel of wheat well why you are a person of faith there is no question about it Because a bushel of wheat is something you can transform into flour and then a loaf of bread that can sustain your life. But if you accept a check, why you are utterly a person of faith, because you have faith that anytime you want, a bank will convert that piece of paper with your friend's signature on it into some cash. But wait... You can't eat discs of metal or strips of colored paper. No, but you have faith that when you are hungry, there will always be a baker who will supply you with that bread in exchange for the money you have in your pocket. And that is entirely an act of faith, is it not? These five F's your finances your family your friendships your faith and your fitness these are the things that never change never have never will and these are the things that it is within your power to develop if you are a single well then you can start a family you find somebody to become a partner in life and then you build a family maybe you're an older signal single and you've already raised some children but now you find yourself in the position of being able to marry well there's a different set of rules and a different set of principles because when uh, when you're a little bit older and and perhaps somebody who has already raised one family well then getting remarried very valuable changing your life it's very positive very positive rather than living alone and i know that there are people who have written to me and uh, whom i have responded to on some of these very questions but uh, yeah family is something we can do something about it's one of the five f's that doesn't change and the more that things change the more we must depend on those things that never change that's right the things that never change are that your life will be more successful if you connect with people through family and through friendships and through finance and if you build your body your fitness and you develop your faith those five f's are crucially important and i'm going to uh, uh, chat with you a little bit about the family aspect of it first because look let's face it um, starting a family let's let's not even get as far as children yet let's just talk about starting a family means you have to find a stranger to whom you are not related and somebody you may not even have known for very long, and then you get to know that person, and then you do something called marrying, which is in itself a statement of faith. And the great thing about faith is that faith produces facts, much more than facts produce faith. What I mean by faith producing facts are that uh, when you get married, you don't know Every single thing about that person, as a matter of fact, if you dated for six years, you wouldn't know everything about that person. If you dated for 10 years, you wouldn't know everything about that person. As a matter of fact, for marriage purposes, after you've dated for six months, that's more than enough time already, more than enough. That's right. I'm not in favor of lengthy periods of dating. It doesn't change anything. Because marriages are based on faith, the faith that together, hand in hand, you and I will be able to face the future together, whatever it is. It's a statement of faith. Getting married is a huge statement of faith. And it isn't easy because you are supposed to marry somebody different from you. Now, it might make most sense, you'd say, to marry your sister, because that way nobody has to worry about changing last names. And one of the signals that women send to the world, that they have pledged their troth to one bright-eyed man with his eye on the horizon, is she changes her name to his. And that starts a new family. Right? There, There is meaning to that tradition. And uh, she obviously can't know everything about him, but she knows that he is a person of integrity. She knows that he's not a romantic. Ladies, don't marry romantics, please. Don't marry a romantic because romantics are not reliable. Now, if it's a romantic who is also a person of integrity, well, well, that's okay, but those things don't necessarily always go together. A person of integrity is a person who lives by values, not by feelings. It's a person who lives governed by his head, not by his heart, because my heart changes very often, right? I mean, just just talk to a person about what car he'd like to buy, if money, no object, and then... uh, talk to him again in five years and ask him the same question it might well be something else Uh, our feelings are not reliable our feelings and our emotions change you marry a man because he is a man of the head not of the heart does that mean he's incapable of emotion and romance and feeling no of course not you know that we're not talking about extremist positions We're saying that a person who makes the serious decisions in life by means of his head, not his heart. And that is a wonderful thing for a woman to know about the man she plans on walking through life together with. It's an important thing. And uh, from a man's point of view, well, uh, he's marrying somebody who is quite different from him. He's a man and she's a woman. And that means she's going to look at things differently. Uh, She may be very much more grounded than he is. Uh, He might think that it's a wonderful idea to attach half a dozen large helium balloons to a deck chair and go sailing up into the air. She might say, my dear hubby, that's really a bad idea. And then he will remember oh so very clearly the verse in Genesis chapter 2 verse 18, which says, It's not good for man to be alone. I will make for him, said the Lord, a helper who will be opposite him. She's not going to be just like him. And there are going to be times where she is going to argue for an opposite course of action. And the wise husband listens very, very carefully and discusses it with her. Now, this isn't easy because we men are not naturally like that. If we are About a concept, an idea, a business plan, a move, anything, and our wife comes to us and says, Wait a minute, not so quickly, this isn't a good course of action. Here are the problems. Our first instinct is to shut our eyes, put our hands over our ears, and shout out to block it out because we don't want to hear it. Or we might even bring tears to her eyes by saying don't talk to me i don't want to hear about that these are all instinctive male behaviors but instinct doesn't make right the whole reason that god put us in this world was to train our souls to rise above our instincts and uh, and to, for somebody to say, I can't help it, it's natural, that would be true if you were a baboon. But as a human being, the fact that something is natural doesn't make it right. And so, while I have many masculine instincts, I don't indulge them all. I try not to, because right isn't a result of instinct or of nature Of natural urges or nature Uh, right is what my head tells me and to be able to incline my ear to my wife listen to her and let her know that I am listening and listening seriously and absorbing and understanding what she's saying And I might even say, so let me get this clear. You, your position is you feel that this is what we should do rather than that. And then she says, yeah, that's right. Then I'm very pleased because now not only did I hear what she said, I understood it. And even more importantly, I helped her know that I understand what she's saying and I heard it. And then we can talk about it. And these are growth factors that when God said I'm going to create a helpmate for him opposite him that is precisely what helping does to have a helper who just agrees with everything you say is like living with a clone and you cannot imagine how utterly boring it would be to live with your clone eventually you would either take your life or your clones. You, you, you wouldn't be able to function in, in that kind of world. And the delight of marriage, as well as the challenge of marriage, is that the two of you are as different as could be, as different as could be. And that is what stimulates the growth. The idea that you cannot walk away. You cannot go, ah, 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 don't talk to me. I don't want to hear that. You can't say that. That's wrong. You actually have to listen. You have to converse and you have to discuss. It goes against masculine instinct, of course, because we just like doing. You know, just let me get out there and deal with it. I don't want to discuss it. The most painful sound to a man's ears is when a wife says honey we have to have a conversation we have to talk about something i have to speak to you these things terrify most males but they shouldn't they are all opportunities for growth you overcome your instincts you conquer the tendency within you to block out any information that goes counter to the position you've already taken And you converse and you discuss and there's large large value in that I can tell you now you may want to discuss this with somebody you may not want to discuss it with your spouse there are many areas in which spouses should not communicate with one another let me give you one example right away and that is that let us imagine that a, uh, a woman ha- is married to a man who wants to start his own business and uh, she might feel very strongly that he should not quit his job. And he, on the other hand, says, no, 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 it'll work much better if I quit my job. It's like burning my boats, just like Cortez did on the shores of South America when he arrived to conquer the Incas. And it's it's forward or or death. You don't want to do that in a family situation. You don't want to do that. Uh, You always want to make sure that there is some uh, escape hatch. There is some stability. Unless... You and your spouse both agree, and the man manages to talk to his wife, and he says, here's why I think it's not going to work if I try and do it part-time. I have to go all in, and she may be very nervous. He may be able to find solutions to overcome her fears. It is perfectly natural and perfectly normal, particularly for a mother to be concerned and it behooves a father and a husband to not walk over his wife, but to help allay her fears. What can I do that will give you a level of comfort? How about if I make sure that there is at least 12 months worth of living expenses safely in the bank? And it's, a, it's an account you've got signature rights on. It's right there. And that way you don't have to worry because even if the business does not work, as many don't, well, we've got 12 months to get going again, another business, a job, whatever it is, some kind of income producing activity. So, yes, uh, you, you understand that uh, she can't just say to him, no, it's a conversation. Let's imagine a man's business isn't going so well. And she says to herself, well, it's because he's been an employee all his life. This is the first time he's been a a business. He's been very good in the employee position he's held. Uh, He's been very good at uh, repairing fuel injection systems. But now that he started his own auto repair shop, he's good at repairing but he's not that good at the business side of things and then she says to herself he needs a business coach he absolutely needs a business coach probably best if she doesn't say to him certain marriages that can work if there is a huge built-up reservoir of accumulated love and respect and commitment then that could work But if not, she's the worst person to make that suggestion, because the suggestion implies a lack of confidence. And when a man loses the confidence and respect of his woman, it's a huge problem. So she's in a tough situation. And that is when she has to work her way somehow to encourage him to speak to other guys so that somebody else will say to him, hey, you got an easy solution. You get a business coach. That's all. And a business coach gives you ideas and, you know, an idea can save you years of pain, information, really worthwhile. But it's much better coming from another man than from her. So what do you do? Well, uh, you want to discuss these ideas in this podcast with somebody maybe not your spouse well what you do is you go to our happy warriors website you know what it is, right? It's wehappywarriors.com because we are all a happy band of happy warriors. So you've got a wehappywarriors.com. And uh, and by the way, you, you not only could you get a basic membership in Happy Warriors, but you can even get a free 14-day uh, experiment, if you like. So just try it out, see how you like it. Here's why I suggest it, because the way we've set this up is uh, we used to monitor and moderate comments. And it made conversation between people a little bit slow because it it had to depend on one of our administrators to to go and check the comments and approve them. And in this day and age, you've got to do it because there are a lot of trolls on the websites and uh, they are are rude or obnoxious. But then we said, okay, fine, we're going to make a basic membership and that's going to rule out Most of the trolls. And sure enough, that's the way it's worked out. So you can try it out for two weeks if you like. But here's the best thing. You can participate in a discussion forum about the podcast without having to wait for moderator approval your comment posts right away now obviously if as time goes by we discover that it's being abused which i don't think it will be we'd obviously have to make changes but for the moment uh, it works great and so at wehappywarriors.com you become a basic membership try it for free and uh, and then you're in on the conversation and very often you will hear things from somebody else that you wouldn't necessarily hear from your spouse. Um, And by the way, they're in the other direction as well. There are things that uh, a woman is far better off hearing from a friend or a teacher or a mentor or a coach than from her husband. Right? You just think about it and and you'll see that um, uh, being married doesn't mean that all the boundaries are down and, you know, everything is, is we, we share and connect on every single level. We do. We connect very, very deeply. But of course, there are things that I don't share with my spouse and there are things that she doesn't share with me, obviously. Uh, to just give you a, a a vulgar and obvious example, and only I only mention this because it cropped up. In conversation, yes, I I do coach a few people, and um, one of the things that cropped up in conversation was that um, they know that they've got a very close marriage, uh, this person told me, because uh, they don't even shut the door to the bathroom. Really? Okay, well, as you can imagine, uh, we devoted a fair bit of time to that. That is not a good idea. Not a good idea, uh, because there are certain aspects of privacy that are important. Why? Uh, Because our concern, when I say our concern, in ancient Jewish wisdom, the concern is for a passionate relationship between husband and wife, and uh, sometimes that can be negatively impacted by certain habits or certain behaviors or certain natural processes uh, which are best kept private, right? Because we are impacted by things, you, you know, little kids. say so, ooh, gross, ew, gross. Yeah, well, it's <laughs> because adults also do that, even if they sometimes conceal or camouflage the actual reaction. So it, it really is very important and very, very worthwhile to to make sure that you do have people to talk to outside of your marriage okay that's the key thing very very important Um, so go ahead and check out wehappywarriors.com and um, uh, while I'm on that topic I'll mention that a number of people wrote and commented uh, they were uneasy about the fact that I said that uh, vaccinations Are Not a hill worth dying on. Look, um, people wrote and said, look, you know, if you yield on one thing, yield on another. I feel my body is sacrosanct. I don't want anybody mandating that I have to take a certain vaccination or not take a certain vaccination. And uh, and I, I look, I understand if you are somebody with very few responsibilities or with somebody who has no concerns and uh, you don't mind losing your job, all I was saying was that if you are like most of us, where you have real life financial concerns and refusing a vaccination means losing your job. I'm not saying that I don't admire the bravery and courage of those people who are and have lost their jobs over this. But what I am saying is that I would not criticize or condemn anybody who says, well, you know what, I'm, I'm going to yield on this one, because it is important to know where to have your battles. And I fully understand that for some people the battle may well be vaccination and they absolutely refuse and they are willing to fight and die on that hill. I totally get it. Mine would be different. I'm not crazy about that. But if, if the only way I could continue to travel and lecture and speak, talking of which I will be speaking at Faith and Freedom Conference in uh, Jacksonville, Florida, on Friday morning, October the 8th, 2021. That's right. Very, very soon. If you're listening to this soon after the release of this particular show, then if you are in the um, uh, northern Florida area, Jacksonville area, well, at the Jacksonville Convention Center, the Faith and Freedom Conference, uh, that is taking place at the prime uh, Jacksonville Convention Center, Friday morning, October the 8th. And uh, I will be speaking there. If you are there, I'd love to meet you. Please, if you are ever at any event I'm speaking at, I would love it if you came up uh, before or afterwards and uh, said hello, had a chance for us to to meet and see one another. I love meeting happy warriors anywhere and everywhere. But yes, if uh, my ability to travel to speak at different events and meet happy warriors around the country and around the world if that um, could only happen with a vaccination certificate, I would probably do it. I wouldn't be happy about it. I, I, I have concerns. I will be honest. I do have concerns about it, but I would probably do it because being able to continue to function is important to me. On the other hand, let's imagine that uh, I'm somebody who homeschools my children. I do not wish to send my children to a GIC, a government indoctrination camp. No, I won't. And um, uh, the law says you are going to be criminalized if you do not send your child to a GIC. For me personally, that's a hill I will die on. Right? That's where I'm fighting to the end. No, I will never send my children to a gig and I will do everything possible to make sure that my children never send their grandchildren to their children, my grandchildren to a gig. Um, No, that that's that is my hill to die on. That's where I say absolutely no Uh, people. It's understandable. People have different places that they are desperate and different things that they will fight for. We are all unique, each and every one of us, and this is one of the ways. So um, I'm certainly not criticizing uh, those people who are making a stand for freedom on the question of uh, vaccinations. Uh, I I get it. I totally get it. I'm not criticizing, but I'm also stressing that there is no shame for the person who loves freedom who says, okay, I'm going to yield on this one. I have to, because this is not a good time for me to lose my job. Whatever it is, somebody says, okay, fine. Uh, That doesn't mean you don't stand for freedom. Doesn't mean that at all. And why is it? that i do not criticize people who do not want to get vaccinated for covid they don't want that and the reason i don't criticize people is because you see here's the thing if somebody lies to you once and then they lie to you a second time you are not only entitled to be skeptical about every everything else they tell you but the prudent position is to be skeptical about what they tell you. This is why integrity is so important. Because somebody who throughout their lives have remained constantly locked to the truth, you, and you know that, you know that this person has never lied to you, which by the way, is exactly the way to raise children. Your children have to know that you tell the truth. Right? This isn't necessarily easy, but your children do have to know that you tell the truth. What do I mean by saying it's not easy? Well, uh, you're not supposed to act in anger towards your children. That's not a good idea. I'm not shang- saying you should, ever not, you should never show anger. You may well have to decide that a display of anger is necessary for a certain circumstance, but it shouldn't be driven by the emotion of anger. It should be driven by your head and not by your heart. But let's imagine that, like all of us, you failed this test on one occasion and uh, you said to your child, well, because of that, you're not going to get another candy for a whole week. Well, you really should be very careful in what you say to your child. But having said that, you'd be being a terrible parent to give that child a candy during the week because you may think the child doesn't remember but the child remembers and it's going to hurt you it's going to pain you because you forgot that there's a party the child's going to and now that child's not going to be allowed to have a candy at that party and you have to supervise it and you've got to go to all the trouble of doing that and your child's going to be miserable your child's going to say i hate you i hate you and you still got to do it because it's far more important that your child knows that you keep your word than anything else having to do with the candy. So uh, these are not easy things. And that's why I say don't for one moment think that nurturing and developing and improving and growing your five fundamental F's is easy. It isn't getting married is a huge act of faith and then living with a person of the opposite sex is incredibly hard yes of course it has its pleasures of course it has its joys and its ecstasies but it's also hard some of the time bringing a child into the world an incredible act of faith i hope you're starting to see why i say that developing your muscle of faith is every bit as important as developing the muscles in your body physically you bring a child into the world it's an act of faith is it easy of course it isn't easy because apart from anything else making sure that you keep your word with your children hugely important and so when The governor, I'm speaking here about the United States of America, uh, where the, the government started off by listing all deaths as COVID deaths. And I spoke about this early in 2020, in the first half of 2020 on this show, I spoke about these things that the death tallies don't add up. Because they're claiming that people, in one specific case I'm aware of, a guy died on a motorcycle accident and he was listed as a COVID death. I, with my own eyes, saw the Center for Disease Control website had a page that uh, encouraged doctors to list the death as a COVID death, even if there's only the slightest possibility that the deceased had been exposed to COVID. And so, to me, that's a lie. Um, the, uh, the COVID did not come from the Wuhan lab. Um, you know, masks are essential. You, you better wear two. Uh, talk about these things. The, the, th- there were lies. There were lies about the number of deaths. There were lies about the effectiveness of things. Uh, hydroxychloroquine, not effective ivermectin not effective these are lies right uh, there's just been a test in india by the way absolutely unarguable reliable reviewed test um, a drop in uh, covid um, uh, incidents by more than 50 percent in an ivermectin treated number of people so that's a lie right there is no question whatsoever that there were other ways that could have also been brought to bear on covert and yet it's clear to me that the government lied it's clear that dr fauci lied it's clear that media piled onto the political bandwagon and turned COVID into this uh, very very much of a political football and so um since i know for a fact that i was lied to about certain things i don't trust the vaccine it's as simple as that it still doesn't mean that i won't take it but my trust is missing that's all it is that's all i'm talking about i think it's prudent to say that if somebody lies to you on many occasions, from there onwards, you should look at anything they say with a certain degree of skepticism. This is how prudent people behave. It's wise. Now, uh, my dear happy warriors, please allow me to expand on the F of family. Right? I've said already it's not easy to get married. It it is an act of faith. It's an act of um, determination. It's a decision. It's a commitment. It's not easy. I will also acknowledge that it is not easy to be married. You are living with another human being. And it doesn't mean you're automatically going to agree on everything. And that's not a bad thing, particularly for men. Uh, One one could say in that respect that men need wives more than women need husbands, but um, that's always a a very dangerous formulation, and so I'm only going to say specifically in the area of uh, decision-making where men are far more easily driven by ideas and by thoughts that may not have all been completely and fully worked out yet Um, you know when when really dumb things are done by somebody usually that result in the death of the individual as a result of an incredibly stupid act um, invariably it is a male not a female invariably it's a man not a woman Now, in the same way that men can do incredibly dumb things, right, man says that this seems like a really good idea, doesn't it, to um, uh, whatever it is, you know, I'm not not even going to give you any ideas of some of the extreme sports activities uh but if a man, say, yeah, i think this is a really good idea there are things that we men can do that are not quite as wild and as crazy as as jumping off a mountain cliff wearing a piece of fabric in sewed into a flying suit um you're right as far as i've been able to confirm and i'm pretty sure i'm right about this only men have died in flying suit accidents right because i'm sorry but uh this is totally a male kind of thing it seems like a really good idea to jump off a cliff uh you know four or five thousand feet into the empty air wearing a flying suit that's a really good plan okay uh but it's men who do that. In the same way, men are far more capable of um, of saying, I'm going to quit my job and start a business. You know, my whole life I've I've wanted to bake cupcakes. I mean, I know that's a silly example, but but you get the point. There's a lot more to building a bakery business than uh, knowing how to make cupcakes. Uh, it is very often the woman who is more practical than the man. Right? I'm telling you, in my experience, all right. Are there exceptions? I don't doubt it for a minute. But uh, in general, and in in many years of couple counseling, marital counseling, premarital counseling, uh, I can tell you that there's not a doubt in my mind that the women tend to be more practical than the men. Now, there are times where you need to be not practical. There are times. I'll tell you. Uh, in uh, the years leading up to World War II, uh, there were many, many people, Jewish people, who said, we got to get out of Poland, we got to get out of Russia, we got to get out of Germany, the storm clouds are on the horizon, we've got to get out, and very often, and I mean, I know this from, from people who've told me their stories, very often it was the woman who said, it'll blow over, we've got children, we can't just pick up and leave, move to another country. Uh, we'll be away from family, we're away from our, and really, if you think about it, uh, you know, back in um, 1937, for instance, moving from a small town in Poland uh, to Houston, in the, or Galveston, even Galveston, a lot of Jewish people came into Galveston. Uh, that was something you could readily understand, a wife saying to her husband, you're crazy this is going to blow over Uh, you know this guy Hitler's just talking it's going to go away we can't pick ourselves up and move we'll never see our family again Um, you know we'll never talk to them in those days right telephones were international calls very rare very hard very expensive and how are we going to make a living in Galveston well some some couples came and they thrived and they prospered and they did well Uh, others they didn't they didn't go and very often yes it was the woman who said look this is a crazy dream the new world america what do you want to go and do become a cowboy here we've got a life it's not good it's not perfect yes there there's a lot of anti-semitism we get attacked uh, people get killed but at least here we are This, this happened a million times over this conversation happened And invariably, it was not 100%, but most times it was the man who wanted to go, and it was the woman who wanted to stay. And in those cases, it was the right thing, obviously, in hindsight, to go. But uh, what I'm talking about is speak, converse, talk. And here I'm addressing myself mostly to men listeners because, as I said earlier, we men tend to do rather than speak. And so, for us, it is very difficult. It's even painful. And yet, there it is. You know, God put us together. Uh, he took a woman who loves talking, who's good at communicating, who needs to connect to feel fulfilled, and links her to a man who would rather do almost anything else than have a deep, serious conversation about us or about the future, (laughs) it is hard. And he puts us together precisely because we have to grow. A woman has to know when to bring something up with her husband and how to do it. Maybe the best thing is to write him a letter to start the conversation going. She's gotta be wise. And the man has to learn that verbal communication is very, very important. Right. And this is one of the reasons that in Jewish marriages, there's a period of time, a period of time on a regular basis where the couple do not touch physically at all. And part of the reason for that is to help the man understand that intimacy and physicality doesn't solve everything, that the best thing is to first make up. By means of words, first of all, solve the problem by means of verbal communication, and then return to normality. These things are all important parts of the F of family. And I said earlier, raising children, bringing children into the world, very hard. It's an act of faith. Right? Conceiving them is easy. Conceiving them is a pleasure. But giving birth to them, that's a totally different story. And then if you thought giving birth was hard, wait for the following years after that. Because raising a child to become your heir, not just biologically, but spiritually as well, now that's a lot of work. I gave the example a little bit earlier of keeping your word with your child. That's very hard. But then comes education and that is no joke because particularly in the United States of America but this to some extent is true in other places as well and something I'm about to say is true wherever you are and and that is that we all grew up thinking that all we have to do is put our children on the bus to school and we fulfilled our responsibility as parents. It's all done. It's all simple and your child will come home with an education. Well... Even if that ever was true, it certainly isn't true today. And your obligation as a mother and a father is to give your child an education. It's your obligation. It's not the government. It's not the state. It's not the county. It's not your local school board. It's not even the local teachers. It's your responsibility. And you have to know that when the educational system is not stepping up to the plate why it's your responsibility then to do so and not for a moment do i think that's simple it really isn't look in our case we made the decision to educate our children at home to homeschool. please don't think this was easy Uh, Don't think that this did not come with uh, with no costs, both financial and otherwise in terms of time, energy and other things. It's not easy. But let me tell you, please, a few important things that I I really do think are crucial if you are interested in building your family. And by the way, what I'm telling you may be relevant uh, for your grandchildren right legacy is important and if you're a grandparent then maybe you have to step into the breach if your children cannot or will not maybe you have to step into the breach because creating the next generation is the most profound meaningful and important thing that we can do so let me state something very clearly all your child has to learn to do is read write and do numbers that's all you have to teach your child now if on top of that you're also able you're also able to teach your child about money and about male female relationships and about faith you're doing great you're doing absolutely great but that's all you have to do you really don't have to teach your child geography and social studies and gender studies and uh, and the history of racialism you don't have to do any of that you got to teach your child to read to write that's all to read write do numbers to do arithmetic that's all you got to do and your children will pick it up from there right just Get them books, and let them free at the library, and you have done your job. It's great. It's not that hard. Well, it is hard. I don't want to mislead you, but it's not as hard as you might think it is. People say, well, I'm, I'm just a mom. I'm just a dad. I've never been trained as a teacher. Actually, that's an advantage, not a disadvantage, because not being trained as a teacher means you'll allow yourself to be led by the child's curiosity, right? Please train your children to be curious. Just let, it's a, you don't even have to do it. It's a natural condition. They are curious. Just let them at it. It's wonderful. Just let them at it and they'll be curious. And you let them learn that you, as, as somebody who's not a trained teacher, great. You won't make too many statements and proclamations you'll ask questions because one of the most effective ways to communicate is by asking questions right the wife who wants to have a conversation with her husband a really good way to start almost any conversation is with a question you've just got to think up the right question and you want to communicate with your children at the dinner table, prepare questions to come to the table with. Not questions that are testing them about things you think they learned at school or should have learned at school. No! Ask them questions that sound as if you really are curious about what they're going to say. These are important things. So please remember, it's not as hard as you think it is. Reading, writing, and arithmetic. You've got to teach your child to read. Do you really think you need a college degree in order to teach your child to read? You really don't. I promise you. Apart from anything else, they're terrific books. You know, teach your child to read easy. And what's more, it does a lot for the parent-child connection. And then you teach your child to write, because when a person can express their thoughts in writing, oh, really, really valuable, really, really important. And then you teach them to handle numbers and their curiosity will pick it up from there. It really will. And um, I, I was blessed to be able to teach a grandchild um, not only arithmetic but we went on to geometry and we went on to advanced algebra and we went on to calculus and we went on to linear algebra we all of these things why did I force no the child was being homeschooled he sat in our living room and he asked me questions and all I thought about was how do I answer the question in a way that stimulates more curiosity and more wonder and I'll tell you something, uh, it, you know, whether it was homeschooling uh, our children or whether it was helping this particular grandson make his progress through the world of science, physics and, uh, and mathematics, um, it, was, it was wonderful. And it was truly very exciting for me. I, I I can't tell you how meaningful it was for me. He wrote a very beautiful essay expressing his gratitude to me, and it brought tears to my eyes because I'm thinking to myself, (laughs) I'm grateful to him. What he did in giving me the privilege of exposing him to how the world really works—it was wonderful. And once we were talking already about algebra and we're discussing calculus and we're discussing uh, Newtonian motion uh, and we're discussing the meaning of gravity, uh, from there other questions cropped up completely organically. A lot of male-female questions, family-related questions, a lot of finance questions, and and yes, we ended up uh, learning a lot of economics as well because all I did was try to stimulate the curiosity and answer the questions in a way that stimulated anyway enough about me here the point I'm trying to tell you is that it's very meaningful to educate your children and uh, those of you who have experienced what I'm to- I've just been talking about on a personal level you know that you end up saying to yourself was I mad was I willing to give over this privilege to an institution of education? What was I thinking? I'm a parent. It's my privilege. <laughs> and um, today, I'm afraid you have to realize that uh, you can teach your children. Believe me, from the age of three onwards through their teenagers you can teach them you really can because there are so many wonderful resources available and and here's the problem the problem is that a lot of people don't realize that what's going on in school today what's going on in gigs, government indoctrination camps is not learning to read Developing a love for reading, learning to write, developing a love for writing, learning about numbers and developing an enthusiasm and excitement for numbers. No! What's happening today mostly in schools is indoctrination. I'm afraid that schools today, particularly high schools, are likely to be the first place in your child's experience where they're going to encounter physical violence that's true the first time your child is likely to see another child beaten or hit or nose bloodied is going to be at high school um it's not only that but uh they're going to pick up bad ideas and bad habits not only from educators but from the other children they're surrounded by do you think a a geek is going to teach your child to think and to be able to evaluate ideas and to subject their ideas to examination in the light of things they've learned in the light of uh, books they've read in the light of their own research please know that doesn't exist anymore in geeks in the united states of america Uh, The government and the educational establishment do not want schools to turn out thinking individuals capable of independent analysis. No, on the contrary, they actually want obedient, indoctrinated serfs who will do as they're told. I'm sorry, but you may think I'm exaggerating, but um, I'm not. I'm really not this is unfortunately a reality it's just one of those things that is so you got to know that uh, family what i focused on a little bit today is is not simple it's not simple and easy but it's incredibly fulfilling incredibly fulfilling and worthwhile the incredible growth You feel excited by you know what I mean that's exciting, right? One of the ways you feel happy is when you feel you've grown when you feel you've achieved something and It is not possible for a man or a woman to build and grow a family and a family that's not just a biological entity You're not just bringing children into the world to serve as Socioeconomic cogs in the machinery of a society gone mad. No, You're producing your replicas, your heirs. Doesn't mean your children are exactly like you, right? There's nothing on earth you can do to guarantee that outcome, I promise you. But children who have the spiritual insights that you have gained, children that replicate your values and your beliefs. Now, that part is very important, obviously. So... um, When you teach people to read and to write, this is hugely important. You teach your children to be able to communicate by reading and by writing. Well, this gets to be fascinating. I'll tell you why. Because there are cultures, let us say, rather unsuccessful cultures around the world that um, didn't know how to read or write. And in general, those peoples that managed to make it into the 20th and the 21st centuries with their cultures intact and with their systems operational are people who had writing. And it's amazing how many different people around the world developed without any writing system at all the incas for instance i mentioned them earlier the incas in south america you know built up quite a kingdom but they had no system of writing at all Um, in africa there was not a whole lot of reading or writing going on how about the uh, the northwest coast that part of the world that that i really love being at it's it's really a, a just being there makes me happy and um and that is the the coastal waters of the state of washington and british columbia in canada those areas were populated for many 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 hundreds of years by indian tribes the haida or the Haida, uh, the Wakas and the uh, Chehalises and the Chimakum's and the Cowichans and the Cowlitzes and the Duwamish tribes and the Esquimalt tribes. I mean I'm I'm familiar with uh, I don't know the difference between them. I know they had different customs and some of them were peaceful and some were warlike. Many of them enslaved one another by the way. Slavery was widely practiced uh, off the British Columbia coast for hundreds of years. Uh, and um, but at any rate these peoples had no form of writing well you think about it you're at a huge disadvantage if you have no form of writing well (laughs) think about what that means it means that every generation has to start off sort of figuring things out for themselves all over again because they don't know Um, Or how about even in terms, and this is, by the way, true for your children, because once you teach your children to read and they naturally develop a love of reading because you guide them into the right books. And by the way, don't for a moment think that the books your children get from their geek library are safe for your children's souls. They're not. I, I can't tell you how shocked I am at some of the books that people have shown me that came from their children's school libraries but um no don't forget you've got to be responsible for your child's uh, spirit and body you've got to educate them comprehensively and um and so what happens is that when you teach a child to read and the child then starts reading one of the characteristics that defines good writing and good literature is that it is telling them true things about human nature and so you know and there are children's books like that as well you don't have to go to an adult level you know to read the the novels of dostoevsky the great russian novelist Uh, yes the brothers karamazov is is very very important reading you become More knowledgeable about the way human beings function. It's really valuable. And to have to discover these things all over by yourself, I think it's painful. There are high school children in the United States of America that cannot read and obviously do not read. So, what do they know about human nature? Basically, they are projecting their own feelings and their own instincts onto the rest of humanity. They know absolutely nothing. Right. The reason that the plays of William Shakespeare are considered good and valuable and why I would recommend that at the right age, you know, not at 11 or 12 or 13 years old, but at the right age, you introduce your child to good writing is because they will learn about being human and this is very helpful when it comes to interacting with other human beings because you start recognizing certain human behaviors things you would you wouldn't be able to learn by yourself and so let alone when it comes to scientific discovery just imagine how obviously nations that had no form of transmitting information by writing from one generation to the next Obviously, they stay primitive. The acquisition of reading and writing is a huge gift to your children. I I wish I could say that every high schooler in the United States of America can read and write. It's simply not true. But you'd be giving your child a great gift by teaching your children to read and to write because that way they become legitimate heirs to the legacy of accumulated human knowledge whether it's in the area of human behavior in literature or whether it's in the sciences where they're able to learn things and they get to a point very quickly that they overtake you and they're learning things you don't know about and now they tell you about things and how exciting is that for a child to be able to tell his parents about the things he's learning it's wonderful you know (laughs) I saw an article uh, recently in the Wall Street Journal, right? It's, 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 it's as good a newspaper as you can get today in the United States of America. And um, this was an article um, speaking about the trivialization of evil. And so the author writes, I asked a variety of people whether they had ever known someone whom they considered to be evil. The overwhelming majority stared into space for a moment and said, no, no, no one I would really call evil, except, of course, Hitler. But I didn't know him. And and that's what what people uh, told this guy. He said he started asking this question about 20 years ago. And that's what people would uh, would say. But um, he says now at this point in time in the United States, the word evil has suffered from severe grade inflation. And he says, just in the same way that every college student gets an A, regardless of what little he knows or doesn't know, goes in colleges, merits and grades are considered to be evil, <laughs> talking of evil, and so grades don't mean anything anymore. He says, uh, now they call almost anybody evil. He says, I started by asking progressives whether they ever knew someone who was evil. Their number one answer was Donald Trump, right? And he says to himself, if they're going to call Mr. Trump evil, what would the word they use for the Cambodian tyrant Pol Pot, right? Um, then they said, well, they think that Derek Chauvin, the policeman in, in Minneapolis, he's truly evil. But, you know, what what is what in the end do they use for a mass murderer? You know if the word evil this is the point of his article uh, the word evil means a uh, if somebody is evil if you're going to call a politician evil you know that's pretty bad and uh, and the article continued and he said, uh, well, if you're serious about evil, you have to talk about consequences. You can't call a person evil unless it's with Hitler or Stalin or Mao or Pol Pot. Uh, The the evidence is there in the body count. Well, I want to tell you something that uh, will be useful for you, and that is that um, it's It's very difficult, especially in this day and age where we tend to focus on identities is everything Uh, to think of people as evil is a mistake because you get snarled up in that trap. Well, if this one is evil, then what do we call Adolf Hitler? And so on? it's much better to think in terms of behavior than identities. You ask me to name someone who's truly evil. Well, what do you mean by that? Someone who's 100% evil? I don't think anybody is 100% evil, right? I mean, did, did Hitler never do anything nice at all to somebody? Well, it's overwhelmed by all the evil. He did. Well, now you're making your own decision about how to judge these things. But if we speak about actions, now you can even discuss the question with your children, right to ask a child can you name a really evil person it's a go nowhere conversation but you speak to a child and you say let's talk about behavior what sort of behavior is truly evil now you have a different sort of conversation do you follow what i'm saying i think this is really helpful by the way and it's uh, it's really it's worth the price of admission to this show today because uh You can all easily be trapped by the infatuation that the culture has today on identities. Don't think identity, think behavior. And this is also true, by the way, for uh, various um, sexual identities, right? Think about behavior rather than identities, And it it cuts through a lot of the, uh, the obfuscation, it cuts through a lot of the nonsense, and it lets you make progress towards understanding how the world really works. And that, after all, is what we try and do here every time we get together here on the Rabbi Daniel Lappin Show. So uh, get together with other folks you might want to talk to and discuss the show with. Best done at the website wehappywarriors.com and uh, try out the free membership of becoming a basic member of the the We Happy Warriors community. Uh, That way you can connect in an unmoderated forum with other happy warriors and uh, you can discuss these things and uh, you're obviously free to make whatever connections that you want to do that way so we uh, we get through this way a little bit of what we have to discuss in understanding how the world really works and we remember that the uh, important thing is that the more that the world changes and it certainly is changing a great deal the more we need to depend on those things that never change your Fundamental five F's the focus on your faith, your finances, your friendships, your fitness, and as we've been talking today, your family. And so, as we come to the end of today's show, I'm Rabbi Daniel Lappen, and I wish you a fantastic, phenomenal week. There's two F's right there, yes, I know, with your family, and with your finances, and with your friendships and with your fitness and your faith. Have a fantastic week. I'm Rabbi Daniel Lappin. God bless. Spilling ancient solutions to modern problems in areas of family, faith, friendship, and finance. This is Rabbi Daniel Lappin On Demand on The Blaze Radio Network.